Welcome to Bring It On Baby, a podcast covering pregnancy, parenthood, and everything in between, brought to you by Behold Birth, a doula and midwifery service based in Athens, Georgia. I'm Emma. And I'm Lindsay. Let's get started. So we're just going to jump right back in with the birth plans. If you haven't listened to part one, feel free to go give that a listen. That's everything before delivery. So it covers your labor preferences and all that. This is just for delivery and after. And this is where we get into all the fun stuff, like your delivery preferences, which can be as unique to you as you want. For example, do you want a mirror to watch the delivery? Do you? (laughs) Some people are like, no, just get it out. (laughs) And other people are totally reaching down, feeling, wanting to like be very much in tune. I was not that person for the record. I don't blame you at all. But on a somewhat similar note, if you have a preference on who catches the baby, now's the time to include that on your birth plan. And then if you want that immediate skin-to-skin contact right after delivery, that goes on there too. Thankfully, most most will um, facilitate that because we have pretty strong research for that now. Uh, but it's definitely, Absolutely. yes, definitely a good, good thing to include. Yeah, and so another thing I had read a lot about online was the importance of the vernix and delayed bathing. And for those of you that don't know, the vernix is that cheesy creamy substance that is on babies when they're born and it protects them in utero from their skin shriveling up think about like when you've been in the bathtub for a long time and your skin kind of gets pruney it keeps baby skin from doing that while they're in all that fluid and the vernix actually has some really cool properties it's antimicrobial and it can help the baby's skin adapt to the real world so whenever it's possible it's really great to delay baby's first bath by days or even a few weeks But even if you just delay by 24 hours, there's still proven to be a ton of benefits to it. So I will say the times that I see like babies being wiped off, if it's like a super bloody birth, right? And it's like in their hair or there's a lot of meconium that was like in their water. Usually the parents at least want like their head washed. But yeah, there's no reason to bathe baby even within the first week. Like the smells and all of that just really helps facilitate bonding. Yes, it's just so great to be massaging that into their skin. But moving into a new topic, umbilical cords and delayed cord clamping is kind of the latest big topic in birth work. What are your thoughts on that? Is it actually as beneficial as it's being suggested to be? Yeah, no, I would say it's very effective um, and important. I don't think there's any reason to cut that baby's cord um, quickly. And I think this is also a point to have a conversation with your provider because some providers consider delayed cord clamping as like 20 to 30 seconds, right? Right. So if you're wanting longer, you can tell them that. They, um, and if they're trying to cut the cord, you can just hold the cord. They're not gonna cut your hand. (laughs) So there's very few um, reasons why a cord would need to be cut immediately. Yeah, and it's kind of a no-brainer when you think about it because we see really great benefits to delayed cord clamping, like lower rates of iron deficiency anemia and even better blood volume in infancy. Yeah, well, and if you think about it, the baby, this baby's been supplied by this cord blood, right? right? Through the placenta its entire life. Um, And so even after the baby's born and the placenta comes out, it still is transferring blood into the baby's body there's some super cool like youtube videos where you can actually see the amounts of blood that are like if you were to cut it this baby didn't get this you know water bottle full of their blood into their body it's crazy it's wild and especially in instances where like there is a resuscitation needed Mm -hmm. why would you cut baby's oxygen supply off you know like they're still getting 
all of that goodness from the placenta. So crazy stuff. I think research will start to show that more so. Yeah, and on a similar note is cord banking. And in that case, they might need to cut the cord a little earlier to be able right. to ensure that they can get enough out. Yeah, and so for those that don't know, cord banking is essentially the process of collecting your baby's cord blood, which has these stem cells, which have really great restorative properties, and storing that for later use in treatment of things like anemia and some cancers. It's worth noting that if done privately, this can be a kind of expensive process. And on the topic of cord clamping is lotus birth, where we don't clamp the cord at all. We leave the cord attached to the placenta and let it fall off completely naturally. I had never heard of this before. Yep. So interesting. Have you had anybody do a lotus birth? I have. Um, really? The cord gets really hard. Like it's incredible the next day, two days after, how strong the cord is when it's dried out. Like it's impossible to even... Like you, there's no changing your mind <laughs> after you've started it because it's like, well, now it just has to fall off. Um, but yeah, usually the placenta, you put some herbs around it, wrap it up to keep it fresh so that it's not going bad. Yeah. Um, and then the whole thing just falls off just like an umbilical cord stump would. Yeah, lotus births are just so interesting. But kind of moving on, I wanted to talk about baby's early healthcare because that's something that you're really gonna wanna include on your birth plan because you don't wanna be thinking about that right after you gave birth because you are going to be absolutely brain dead. So definitely research ahead of time and be prepared. Yes, and even if you do, it's not uncommon. Like you've written your birth plan and that nurse is asking you and you're like, I don't know, what did I put on my birth plan? Yeah. You know, like I know I did this research, but I can't recall right now. Yeah, I think this is some of the most important stuff to have on your birth plan. Yeah, because there's this series of things the baby generally gets right after birth, and one of those is the vitamin K shot. And for those of you that don't know, vitamin K helps with blood clotting, so being deficient in vitamin K can lead to really dangerous bleeding. Yeah, the, well, babies just don't, they're born with a small amount of vitamin K, right, that they've right. gotten throughout the pregnancy through the placenta. Um, and we don't start producing vitamin K until a little bit later on in life, mm -hmm. so once they've depleted those stores, they just don't have a way of producing vitamin K. So that's why it's typically recommended, but also an option. Yeah, and there are a couple of other things that are generally given to babies right after birth. One of those being the hep B vaccine, erythromycin eye ointment, which is an antibiotic that can help protect against bacteria encountered during the birth, and PKU testing. And along with PKU testing, they often use sugar water because it has a pain relieving effect for newborns. So if any of those are things that you don't want your infant to have, then make sure you indicate that on your birth plan. Another thing to consider and put on your birth plan is whether or not you want your baby to be given a pacifier and or a bottle. If you don't want these given to your baby, make sure that you indicate that on your birth plan. Thankfully, I think that's less and less these days, especially in hospitals like, um, like the ones we have in Athens where right. sending baby to the nursery is not as big of a thing as it used to be. But that used to be a huge thing and then they would just give the baby's formula in the middle of the night. <laughs> We've so. come a long way. Yeah, definitely. And on that note, rooming in. Yes. Is that something people should include on their birth plan too? Yeah. And I think, again, it depends on what hospital you want to probably figure out what your hospital offers um, and what is kind of their norm for how they do rooming in versus baby nursery. And then you can kind of go from there and figure out um, what your comfort level is with your baby leaving your room. 
Yeah, and another really great conversation to have with your partner beforehand. If baby does have to leave the room, do you want your partner to go with baby or do you want them to stay with you? Yeah, and usually if there's a doula, it's like partner goes with baby, doula stays with me, which is super helpful. And there's even those times when like if baby's taken to get weighed and the partner's over here that I'm like, hey, go your baby's over there (laughs) you know you can go you can hold your baby's hand you can take pictures you can like you can be right there since you're a baby but that is super helpful and and same thing for cesarean kind of delegating like or in case of an emergency you know if my baby needs to go to the NICU if um if you need an emergency cesarean this is where you want people to be Yes, and you just reminded me of a topic that we forgot to touch on, and that is to include on your birth plan your wishes for an emergency cesarean. Even if it's not your first choice, including those preferences on that sheet can still give you some autonomy over the procedure. And I think, again, that's like, if it's an emergency, they're not going to give you the opportunity uh, to be like, I want my music played. They're just going to safely get that baby out, right? Oh, yeah. But if you do have time, if it is just like, labor's been long and it doesn't look like this is going to happen vaginally, then yeah, there's definitely um, certain areas that you have choices in. Yeah, definitely. Health is first and foremost. But kind of moving on to our next topic, circumcision. Oh, hot (laughs) topic. (laughs) Yes, and definitely something that you want to think about in advance, not the kind of thing you want to be deciding last minute. For sure. And hopefully there's been a lot of conversation with you and your partner. Yeah, definitely not something you can decide in the spur of the moment. But anyway, kind of moving on, I wanted to talk about feeding options and indicating that on your birth plan because that is something that's really important to include on there. You might also want to include on there if you want lactation consultation. Also shout out World Breastfeeding Week. (laughs) All you breastfeeding mamas. Yes, we love breastfeeding. But anyway, that's all I have planned for this episode. Is there anything else you'd like to add? I mean, I think that that's great. I'm, I'm, I usually give kind of a plan, like a template, right? That has all of this stuff written out. Um, But also I'm sure if if you guys listening have seen, there are some that just have pictures. And so I think some main things are keep it short, right? These nurses have a lot of patients. And so if you have a 96 page or even a three page birth plan, like that's a lot for them to read. Um, And to be able to like read and digest and remember. And then if they're not doing that, it kind of defeats the purpose, right? Right. Um, so the pictures I'm loving because it's like short and sweet. Here is this image. Want it? Don't want it? Here's this. You know what I mean? So it shows like a breast or um, has formula with an X or like something that's just like very simple and easy for everybody to like at a glance know your preferences. Um, so I think that's important. Yes, I saw those visual birth plans too, and I think it's such a great idea because nurses can look at it and digest it really quickly as opposed to having to look through your 12-point font Times New Roman paper. Yeah, I I think it's also helpful to remember that this birth plan is not you needing to walk in and be hostile, right? Like these nurses and these care providers want to do that. They want to care for you. And so Mm -hmm. um, I think remembering that, but then also knowing when you need to step in and be like, hey, that's actually not what I wanted, you know? Or like, hey, I would actually like to delay this or do this. Like, this is your birth and your baby. And so advocating, um, hopefully you've been able to practice that your entire pregnancy of advocating for yourself and this baby, but it doesn't stop, you know, once you give birth. So that just continues on. So it's a tool. It's a great tool. Yeah, it's a really great tool. And I'm glad that we got the opportunity to sit down and talk about it today. And on that note, 
That's all we have for this episode. If you have any questions about anything that we've discussed today, please feel free to reach out. We will try our best to get you an answer. Have a great day.